the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. It is a uh, lovely Friday afternoon in Atlanta as we record this. Uh, I have made tentative peace with the leaf blower villain because uh, we all only have one super villain on our show. That's Jonathan Strickland, aka the Quister. My name is Ben. My name is Noel. Yeah, I've been really lucky. Uh, while I can't attest to it being a lovely day in Atlanta because I haven't really been outside or opened a window, I've uh, just kind of been holed up in a dark room all day, like researching uh, weird sports sex scandals. Um, I can speak to the uh, leaf blower being sort of a minor villain in the rogues gallery of ridiculous history, mm-hmm. um, you know, nemeses. But Jonathan Strickland will always be our like Lex Luthor. So, uh, but I think it's okay to have like little minor villains. It just yeah. kind of builds out the extended universe of ridiculous history yeah think of the story arcs you know what i mean we can't be going nose to nose with our own uh, with our own thanos every every day that's very much a, a every so often relationship but we do join forces every single episode with our super producer casey pegram <laughs> You're rocking that shirt again, man. That mm-hmm. looks awesome. God. Oh, no, you're calling me out on it. Love that shirt. Um, <laughs> Love that shirt. I was literally going to change my shirt before I came on here, and I just ran out of time it's and okay, kind of forgot man. about it. And then as soon as the camera feed came up, I was like, well, I'm, I'm committing to the bit. You know, Casey, I've been wearing the same shirt since the beginning of quarantine, so it's it's fine. This is my show shirt from now on. You know, it's my we're, we're talking about superstitions today, so, yeah. you know, this is part of the, the ritual here. Casey on the case. And in addition to teaming up with Casey, every so often on this show, Noel, you and I are lucky enough to welcome a, uh, a special guest. So when we started thinking about sports and thinking about, as you said, Casey, superstition, as you said, Noel, scandal, uh, we knew that we needed some extra firepower. We needed an expert, right? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we have just that expert today with us. We have Mr. Matthew Waxman, the host of Trickeration, our uh, sister, brother, whatever, colleague podcast here on the iHeart Podcast Network. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. All right. Is it sister or brother? I never can remember. Peer podcast? I just peer po- I like peer podcast. Sibling? I like sibling. I like it all. I, you know what? I'm agnostic. But the fact is that we're that you're here now and you've got an awesome podcast called Trickeration. That's, it's a little history. It's a little sports. It's storytelling. It's about scandal. It's about uh, trickery. Tell us a little bit about what Trickeration is to you. Uh, well, first of all, I also have a set of villains out here. I got, unfortunately, terrible <laughs> timing. <laughs> I have a mariachi band playing right outside my window. So if you guys pick up any of that, um, let me know and I'll try and get them to quiet down a little. They're a mariachi band that also is like a construction crew. Right. And so they, they, they play their tunes in between jackhammering furiously, right? I think all their construction equipment actually uh, functions as their instrument, right? Like the bulldozer is the, is the equivalent of the guy with the really big guitar. I, I think that is correct. <laughs> Well, now that we've got that sorted. All right. Trick, yeah, Trickeration. So Trickeration was a podcast I launched about the one thing I'm most passionate about in sports, which is tricks. And I realized when I wanted to start a podcast, like, what is the stuff that I keep coming back to? And it never was the games. I really didn't care about, like, fantasy. Um, so I, I always was just obsessed with, like, schemes, hoaxes, like, pranks, um, like basically anything involving deception in sports, I like would just do these random deep dives on. And then I was like, oh, I I should probably just do this for other people too, to give them a full breath of just the lunacy and deception that's going on basically in everything. I mean, we all know that like everyone is totally full of about everything. So why not investigate that stuff and get people to come on the podcast and talk about it? So that's what I've done. Wait a minute. Are you saying that like, like sports aren't real? Are you saying that everything we see isn't legitimate and not fully honest? Uh, As Elaine said in Seinfeld, a fake, 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 fake. <laughs> uh, Matt, did we ever, do we ever talk about Brian Tui? Uh, full disclosure, uh, the four of us have talked a little bit off air as we were trying to figure out which stories would be the most amazing here. Um, but Brian Tui is a guy who is, we've interviewed on a different show called Something I Want You Know. He is 100% convinced that either the vast majority of major sports or all major sports are completely rigged. And uh, he's someone, you know what, I'm, I'm going to reach out to him and, and tell him to listen to Trickeration because this this is right up his alley. Um, maybe maybe he's someone you would interview as well. You, you told us so many crazy stories off air that we actually had a little bit of a difficult time, the four of us, figuring out what we wanted to explore. I know, I know at one point uh, we had said, forget it. We have to do at least these three because they're so weird. And then Matt, you hit us with a story that, check me on this, if this is correct, Noel, that neither of us had ever heard. Uh, It's a mind-blowing, very weird exploration uh, of Wade Boggs, uh, like living legend, mm-hmm. the Wade Boggs, right? The Wade Boggs. And I'd never heard it. And, and just full disclosure, I've said this before, but just for your benefit, Matt, uh, I'm not a sports guy, like even a little bit. Like it is just not in my wheelhouse at all. Uh, I'm fascinated by uh, everything that you discuss and the whole like behind the scenes stuff. But uh, I'm going to sound like a real layman with some of this stuff, but I'm going to do my best to keep up. But there's nothing I like better than a scandal uh, <laughs> and with a bunch of salacious details, which, by the way, are going to be 
in this episode. So if there's any like younger listeners or parents that are co-listening, that's got to be a thing. You might want to skip this one. We're going to get into some uh, some dirty details done dirt cheap on Ridiculous History. I forget what the question was, but it wasn't uh, even a question. It became oh. so rambling <laughs> that it, it ceased to be a question. But the question is, how did Wade Boggs come across your radar and where do you even start with this guy? He, he's a, he's an absolute maniac. Well, uh, it came to me like it comes to us people reading an old penthouse magazine from 1989, mm. uh, yeah, which I'm yeah. sure you guys were recently doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, when you're flipping through these old penthouses, you come across the strangest things. Like I, I, I found this article by Wade Boggs' mistress. Not an article, it was a tell-all. And how many pages would you think they would devote a tell-all to Wade Boggs' mistress? Oh, boy. In a pen, I mean, how many pages are in a penthouse? Penthouse, penthouse has some solid literature, though. That's right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they, definitely, uh, they definitely do. I would say five? I don't know. I'm going to go, I'm going to do the Price is Right undercut, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some money on three. I would I would say yeah three would be the most you would devote. They went a full five long pages, so they go into this mistress Margot Adams basically airs out every secret going on with the Red Sox in the mid eighties, and the stuff. I was a kid when this was all happening, and I of course was shielded from all of this because I wasn't getting these old penthouses when I was <laughs> right. ten years old. You didn't get those till you were now thirteen. Now that I'm a little older, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now that I'm older, I'm getting the good stuff, and the stuff that was in this tell all was incredible. Totally incredible. So anyways, I call up this guy who was mentioned in the article and I'm starting to interview him. And he basically tells me a story that's related. So let me just tell you the story that he told me. And you can tell me um, what you guys think is real and what cannot be true because it is too absurd. Deal. Ready. All right. So this guy who he went on to become the play-by-play announcer for the Orioles and the Mariners. But when he was in his early thirties, he was a young writer on cheers and they're sitting around and they're doing a um, prank episode, which, you know, is near and dear to my heart with, you know, Norm and Cliff are pulling one over on the Gary's old town tavern. Mm-hmm. And the writers are all sitting around being like, what, how do we spice this thing up? Um, we need like a sports star to come in here. And the biggest sports star in Boston at that time, this was 88, 89 was Wade Boggs, you know, Larry Bird, Wade Boggs, and Bird had already dissed them before. So they were like, let's get Boggs. So their booker goes out and reaches out to Wade Boggs. And they're like, the booker is like, uh, it's spring training. Like, we can't get Wade Boggs to leave spring training and fly to L.A. It's just never going to happen. And they're like, well, why don't we put in a, another request? So they ask again, and, and they get find out that Boggs is like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll leave the Red Sox for three days to go film a cameo on Cheers which makes no sense, could never happen today. So the writer's like patting himself on the back, being like, wow, all I had to do was just ask for Wade Boggs, the best hitter in baseball. And here he is like, you know, on the show that I just wrote. And the episode he said went, okay, Boggs, he said was real stiff, couldn't do any of the like comedy, but whatever, that's most athletes. I mean, it's literally, when you say a cameo, like it's a proper cameo. Like he turns up as sort of like this joke where, what's the guy, Gary from the tavern? It's like the, the Cheers' rival bar and they're like doing this prank war. I think the episode's called Bar Wars and it's everything from like, they put sheep in uh, Kirstie Alley's office. There's like a whole greasing up the bar stools. They like infiltrate the TV feed during a big sports cast at the at Gary's. Um, and, and then the, the, the kicker is 
as Gary comes and says, all right, you guys got me, you win. And as a sign of consolation or as my, like, waving the white flag, my buddy Wade Boggs is is going to come over and sign autographs for for your patrons. And then mm-hmm. they get in their own heads and they're like, wait, no, he's, he's messing with us. It's going to be a Wade Boggs lookalike. And so they treat Wade Boggs as though he's faking them out and they end up chasing him down the street and, like, robbing him, basically. <laughs> they look at his wallet and it's like, oh, this really was Wade Boggs. But to your point about him being stiff, he has, like, one line and then he just hauls ass out the door as they're, like, chasing him down. And that's that's all you get from Wade Boggs. So I wonder if he had a meteor role initially and just couldn't cut it. Oh, that happens all the time with uh, with athletes, unfortunately. So what? How would you say, like on a one to ten, what number would you give Boggs's cameo there? I think it fit the. It, it you know you know like like to Ben's point, I'm never expecting much out of like sports star. That's why I thought uh, Kevin Garnett in Uncut Gems was just incredible. And like again, not being a sports guy, I didn't even believe that he was a real athlete. I was like, who's this amazing actor portraying this basketball star? <laughs> Turns out he's actually playing himself. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I my the bar is so low. I would say it was respectable. It was like a six. You know, maybe. I, I gave it an eight out of 10 for uh, severely personal reasons mm. because I remember being a young tyke. I don't know if it was the night it debuted, but I saw this episode of Cheers and uh, my dad was like, look at that, this Wade Boggs. And I also was not uh, super knowledgeable about this stuff, but it was in fact that Cheers episode uh, that became my entry point into learning about Wade Boggs. And uh, my old man was like, that guy's a legend. He's a lunatic. And he assured me, uh, you know, he probably thought the same as you, Noel. He thought that there was maybe a meteor role that they had to cut. And then he strongly implied in a joke I didn't get for years. He strongly implied that maybe Wade Boggs got drunk on set and could only do that one line. And I didn't know why he was saying that and why he was so tickled by, you know, telling me that. But uh as we'll see, there, there's a reason for that. I will add one point to my score just for his mustache's performance, because that is another one of Wade Boggs' important superpowers is the, the mustache. But so, okay. Well, that's the thing about Boggs is like, you know, Ted Williams is famous for being the greatest fighter pilot ever, the greatest hitter ever, and the greatest fly fisherman ever. ever. And, you know, that's pretty impressive. Most people are not the greatest at anything. But Boggs is one of the greatest hitters. Um, one of the greatest beer drinkers mm-hmm. and one of the greatest mustaches. I mean, he's right there with Ted Williams in the triple crown. Right. He, he's really an impressive guy when you go back. So to interject before we go to the penthouse story, just for anyone who doesn't know, if you are not, uh, if you are not a Red Sox fan, Wade Boggs uh, was born in 1958. Uh, he played primarily with the Red Sox for the better part of two decades, right? And he also played with the Yankees. He's well-established. If you know baseball, you know this guy. If you've seen Cheers, you might know him. If you've seen Always Sunny in Philadelphia, you will see a um, twisted, somewhat touching episode entirely about Wade Boggs. And when you're reading this Penthouse article, Matt, you were first, I get the sense that you were kind of startled that Penthouse spent five full pages on this. I, I would say I was impressed. You were impressed. Uh, and then what about this story uh, surprised you? So, okay, this is the part that that most intrigued me because it involved deception, which is really what my podcast is all about. And 
Boggs, when he left the Red Sox, you know, he bet his teammates that when he went on this Cheers cameo run, he would come back to spring training with a pair of Kirstie Alley's underwear. And the reason I know this, which was because in the Penthouse magazine, Boggs' mistress explains that Boggs was like, hey, while I'm in LA, I need your underwear because when I get back to spring training, I don't want to tell, you know, Roger Clemens that I was, I failed in my attempt to get Kirstie's undies. So he played off his mistress's underwear as Kirstie Alley's underwear. And that was this beautiful bit of deception that I ended up spending, you know, way too much time investigating (laughs) on my own podcast. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. The big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Here's another interesting detail there. And, you know, just, just to quickly get it out of the way, the, the, the woman in question here, Margot Adams, who was uh, Boggs's mistress for... Four years. It was essentially a long-term, secret, you know, salacious relationship. Uh, and, and we're going to get more into this, Ben. You, you sort of uh, indicated that we're going to talk some about superstition. One of the things that Boggs really leaned on with his superstitions were the fact that uh, when he traveled with his actual wife, his batting average was like a certain number. And when he traveled Ooh. with Margot, his batting average was like markedly higher. So he would insist on her like going on the road with him a lot. And a big part of like when she let the cat out of the bag and like wrote this tell all, it all stemmed from this lawsuit that she uh, basically sued him for lost wages because she was like a real estate developer something and apparently or a, uh, um, like a yeah like a real estate agent I believe uh, or a mortgage broker or something like that and she uh, basically said because I was on the road with Boggs so much because he believed that I was his like good luck charm he promised to pay me X number of dollars for lost wages that I that I wouldn't make when I was on the road but a big part of uh, her good luck charm aspect was that she would come to the games and not wear any underwear so that's why it's interesting <laughs> that she gives him the underwear and yeah. 
exchange, you know, saying, oh, this is Kirstie Alley's underwear when she was kind of known for not wearing underwear at the games at uh, Boggs's request. He's a very underwear motivated guy. You know what I mean? So at this point, uh, before we explore Boggs's amazing panoply of superstitions, uh, which we have to do, uh, I do want to acknowledge our uh, other guest, on today's recording, which is uh, apparently uh, that mariachi band you mentioned, Matt, has come down here to Atlanta to play a rousing concert uh, so that you can hear them commenting in the background of this episode. Perhaps if we asked Wade Boggs about this, he would say the noise happened because we messed up some superstition or some ritual that we needed to do before every recording, the same way that he had to eat chicken before every game. I'm sorry. I, I just don't want to bury the lead too much. We are not speaking figuratively here. There's literally some kind of crazy disturbance happening at Ben's house. There's just banging on the ceiling. It's weirder than it's ever been. And it's not the leaf blower this time. It's, it's some other much more uh, sinister force. But you know what? The show must go on. This is the reality of recording in quarantine. Uh, and we're doing the best we can. But it's so funny, Matt, that you set this up at the top of the show because you really thought that the jackhammering mariachi band was going to be the, you know, the nail in the coffin for this session. But it turns out it was a completely flipped the script. But yeah, man, the chicken man. This is a nickname that Boggs either gave himself or I guess you can't give yourself a nickname. But what's the deal with chicken and Wade Boggs and, and, and how he depended on this chicken dinner before playing in a game? So are you guys what do you guys think of superstition in general? First, I think we need to establish that before I start making some bold claims. Uh, I would say that in general, I think superstitions can be helpful for people because they have a profound effect on the mind. So superstition in a way is like weaponized psychology is like the most mm -hmm. fair way I could describe it. Um, I would not say that I, as a person, am especially superstitious. Mm. Well, that that is totally an evolved way of thinking about this and one I hadn't considered. You know, I, I always think of superstition, I equate it to to stupidity. Like, oh, you think that if you tap your toe nine times that this thing <laughs> will go right. You know, it's like the same stuff that, you know, you read in that book, The Secret. It's just like for dumb people. But you're exactly right. What made Wade Boggs great was part of the fact that he, this attention to superstition focused him and allowed him to basically be a machine at hitting. And I had Jim Abbott on the my podcast and, and Jim was saying that Wade's genius as a hitter was due to this superstition that he, everything was just such a formulaic thing. You know, if this pitch was a quarter of an inch outside, he would not swing at it if this was happening. So he had basically trained his mind in the same way that like he tapped things and wrote Hebrew letters in the, in the batter's box and ate chicken before every game. He would then use this sort of strident approach he'd use that towards hitting and Abbott was saying that was what made him as genius as a hitter. And so I was totally wrong. And what you said was exactly right. It's, it's something we've covered a lot on our other show, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, just the power of belief and the idea, like, in some ways you could equate a superstition to, like, the placebo effect. If you believe something will have an effect strongly enough, then it will, at least for you. And again, that's another thing with Uncut Gems, where Kevin Garnett's character gets obsessed with this uncut opal that he believes uh, that he will play better if he has it in his possession. And then there's a part where he doesn't have it, and he, like, you can tell he's stressed out on the court, and he doesn't play as well. And then Adam 
Sandler's character essentially uses that power of belief and baits him into believing this and then uses it to like bet on the game. And he, and he actually can bet predictably, even though he's also using a placebo effect kind of thing. It's, it's very interesting. And there's so many layers of psychology that go into that, but it's very similar to like, you know, religion. I mean, people believe in religion and I could say, well, I don't really believe there's a bearded man in the sky or that the animals all came over on a boat. But if you choose to believe that and it works for you and it makes you a better person, makes you have some comfort, who am I to say you're stupid or wrong for believing these things? It's all very interesting and there's a lot of layers to it. I think that's exactly right. And so I hadn't considered that with bugs, but you know, I, I viewed him a little differently after reading all this. So back to the chicken. Okay. So Wade Boggs ate chicken before every game. That That's how he got the nickname, the chicken man. And he would do different kinds of chicken. It wasn't like he had to have one kind of chicken. Mm-hmm. And then he later writes a beautifully named cookbook named Fowl Tips, F-O-W-L. Um, so, so again, now, now it's a fourth great thing that Wade Boggs has done with his life. So, um, so yeah, chicken every game. He also was obsessed with the numbers 7 and 17. So before every game, uh, all his pregame sprints would be at 717. Um, as you mentioned, you know, he needed his mistress not wearing underwear in the stands. Um, and you, you were just saying that he was much better when his mistress was there, but not just he was much better. Boggs apparently calculated his averages mm. um, when his wife was there and when his mistress was there. So this is like, he's, you know, crunching the numbers. He's got mm-hmm. one of those old calculators in the eighties and he's got, you know, spreadsheets being like, oh, my wife, Debbie was here, these games, Margo was here, these games. And then he's got a third column of Margo was here with no undies, these games. And he's got a whole beautiful mind thing going here <laughs> with all this going on. I mean, the poor guy had a lot to deal with. It makes you wonder, you know, without getting too much in his personal life, a statement that will be funny as this episode <laughs> yeah. continues. Uh, I, think, I think we're about to do two hours on that. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me wonder why uh, why he stayed married. You know, it's a complex question, but you're right. We do construct our own inner lives based on this kind of personalized mythology, these superstitions that we practice. And for Wade Boggs, it seems this was not like a fun ritual thing to do. It might have interested him. But I also get the sense that he genuinely, sincerely, and deeply believed in this stuff. Like, this underwear matters to the game. Would you say that he was 100% all in? Like, he actually believed in these superstitions? Well, I don't think you can do it if you don't believe in it. But not only was he all in, Debbie, uh, Marco has a great quote about the no undies for the games. And she says it wasn't sexual. I mean, that is one of the great things. Like, he's like, I don't care. It has nothing to do with sex. I just need this for my batting average. And he calculated that when Debbie, his wife, was there, he hit 221. And when Margo was there, he hit 341. Now, if you're not a sports fan, those numbers may mean, mean nothing to you. But that is the difference between being basically the worst hitter and the best hitter in baseball. So who knows, you know, I'd love to see uh, one of these analytics guys go back and really track this stuff and verify. But like, this was not like, oh, I hit, you know, a few percentage points higher. This was, I went from being the worst player to the best player. So, so, I mean, he certainly did believe it. I I also want to point out just on the, on the food side, uh, (laughs) one thing that uh, you found in your notes 
uh, was his weird pizza thing. Like his food superstitions and food enjoyment didn't stop at the chicken, right? There's, I think that's it's a quote from Margot about this too, right? So, I mean, this is why I'm so proud of Penthouse for publishing five pages on this because normally these kind of details would, would sneak in and maybe they'd be cut due to length. But thank God they went the full five on this thing because Margot says that both her and Boggs' favorite food is pizza with double anchovies and that she would dress up in lingerie, garters and uh, stockings and the full kit and caboodle and serve Wade double anchovy pizza in their hotel room. I mean, it, it, <laughs> how hot is this? <laughs> well, first of all, ew. <laughs> on a couple of accounts, like a double, you know, anchovies fine as a little ed, uh, added flavor, but like, wow, that is an intense doubling down double on the anchovies. anchovies. Gotta wow. let people like what they like. I know, you know but, what I mean? But then I'm picturing her in this like weird French maid, sexy Teddy right. outfit, mm-hmm. serving him this really smelly pizza. It, the whole thing, it just rubs me the wrong way and leaves uh, a very, very peculiar image. Uh, I mean, because like, you know, we, we don't hear, there's not a lot of like, kink shaming or anything in this article where you think there might be. I mean, this isn't really even about like, oh, he was into this like kinky mm-hmm. sex stuff. It was much more, all of it was kind of wrapped up in this superstition for his like his game. And that's really all there is to it. And then he does, well, we'll get to the Barbara Walters interview a little bit later, <laughs> but he does reveal that, okay, he definitely has certain proclivities, but it's not like he liked to be tied up and have you know clothespins put on his nipples or anything like that. I mean, it was very functional stuff that he was able to parlay into success as a baseball player in his mind let the guy you know what i believe people should be able to eat pizza the way they want to eat it i'm not going to shame anybody for that um i i do want to point out though there was another reveal here that i think speaks to like to me this feels like a a a minor example of trickeration itself uh and i need to ask you about this matt because i'm not an expert was he really not signing things people sent him like to autograph. So Margot lets the cat out of the bag also in this penthouse article. And she says that um, 90% of the fan mail that was sent to the Red Sox back in those days, they'd have the ball boys sign because the players did not care at all. So you've got like this, you know, um, factory line of ball boys just signing Wade Boggs and Roger Clemens names thousands of times. And apparently one of the ball boys makes a joke about this in front of a fan or, or some public, maybe a writer and Boggs takes them aside later. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> we got to keep this going. I can't be sitting back here signing stuff. I got chicken to eat. <laughs> I would love to see like a forensic comparison of like Wade Boggs signed baseball cards and how like they're all a little different. <laughs> like Wade Boggs has a very ununiform uh, signature. Uh, I think that would be a really interesting thing to prove, mm. but I don't doubt that it's true, you know? I, you know, I think what these guys do purposely is they sign their names almost so illegibly that it's Uh, easy to have someone else deal with it. So if they can have their manager or their girlfriend or their wife be like, can you sign half of these? And then we can be done with this nonsense quicker. It's a good point. Which is, I think, part of the motivation. But I, I, that was the first thought I had when I, when I heard it was like, how are, how are these ball boys, like these professional, professional Uh, orgers, yeah, and that. So my ears perked up a little on that, but I think it's, it's such a scribble. And I remember getting a lot of these autographs when I was a kid through the mail, and it was like really thrilling to get the, them back in the mail. You know, the, the postage would come with like the Orioles team stamp on it or whatever, and they were just scribbles. You know, they were they were just they. You couldn't see a name; it was more like a symbol at that point. Well, I have th- this is my question uh, again because I'm not an expert here, Matt. 
how common is this? Because I had a few autographed balls from the Atlanta Braves, and I'm rethinking a lot of things right now in a, a kind of an unpleasant way. Yeah, I mean, again, you're starting to see the world of trickeration. I mean, it's all fake. Everything you thought was real is fake. I'm sure most of those autographs that you didn't get in person are fake. Um, but also, it, what does it matter? Who cares about any of these autographs? No, neither of them are valuable. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it doesn't really matter. None of this matters. And it also, my, just my last note on this, it seems at the very least somewhat hypocritical that someone who believes so much in superstition and intention and ritual would be sending out these fake signatures. But I guess it's just, it's a different, oh, forgive me, guys. When, you, when you're signing thousands of things a day, potentially, it's a different ballgame. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, well, I, I didn't realize this until the Trickeration podcast got very popular and I was forced to sign a lot of autographs. But it's tiring, <laughs> as you guys know. You know, you go out and you're like, oh, this is fun at the beginning. And then it goes on and on. And eventually, you're like, I just wish someone else could do this for me. So you, you, guys, you guys get it. Oh, God. Yeah, we've got piles and piles of... Uh, yeah. what, what do you even sign yeah. if you're a podcaster? Just like Headphones. A, held, right, uh, right. Well, a yeah. lot of Blue Apron boxes. Uh -huh, that's right. Uh, yeah. I, I actually... it's it's uh, I started doing the Bob Hope thing where one of one of our assistants just brings me some paper and I sign it like yeah. two thirds yeah. down and then they write something and then it's just like, you know, dictated, not read. But be careful because that can get you in trouble. I, I've, I've had that go wrong, but, but we're, <laughs> we're all dealing with the same stuff. It's true. It's true. Uh, we're pretty much all, everybody listening, everybody in podcasting, we're pretty much all Wade Boggs, right? In, in that regard. That's a bold claim. Yeah, I would say I, I would disagree with that. <laughs> Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. The big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details.
basically what Wade Boggs went through with this whole, what this penthouse article was the culmination of was, like we said, a four-year relationship with this woman um, who basically presented him with the kind of nightmare scenario that someone going, you know, doing this kind of deception. That's a big part of it, too. That's a deception from his wife. And he had had uh, extramarital affairs that she was aware of. I think there was a woman in Ohio that he impregnated even, and she knew about that and was not okay with it, but didn't leave him. Um, Debbie, this is his wife uh, of, of many years, if I'm not mistaken. And they had children together. And, you know, he, it was an open secret among his teammates, among officials in the, in the baseball franchise or whatever you want to call it, uh, that he would, that he had this, uh, this, this other woman on the side. But he would go out of his way to make sure there wasn't a paper trail. He would pay her in cash, reimburse her for her like expenditures on these trips and all that. And apparently had like a verbal agreement with her. This is what she claims in a lawsuit that she filed um, where she wanted $100,000 um, or basically was was going to let the cat out of the bag about all this stuff that she ultimately did in this article. And that was because uh, he agreed supposedly to pay her back for all of these trips, of which there were 64 trips, by the way, um, in that four-year period that they were uh, an item. And to interject, that's a $12 million lawsuit. That's right. The, 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 the $100,000 was her verbally saying, hey, give me a hundred k or else I will do this. And then... Uh, she he basically reported her to the FBI saying that she was trying to extort him. And then she responded by hitting him with a six million dollar palimony suit um, and basically saying that Boggs had promised her all of these things um, to compensate her for all her lost uh, you know revenue from being on these trips with him, ostensibly because she was like this good luck charm, because he even said that the relationship kind of fizzled halfway through where he just didn't have the spark wasn't there in terms of the attraction. But I got to wonder, you think he kept it going, Matt, like because she was that golden ticket in his mind? You know, I, I never think would think I could place myself in Wade Boggs's mind. I think, you know, Wade Boggs had probably a lot of these women around, but I, I really don't know. But one thing I think we should examine is how do you think Margot Adams's mortgage brokering business went after this all came out, like, are you more or less inclined to go to her and be like, should we figure out 30 year fix? Should we do 10 year? Like, are you, <laughs> right. are you trusting her more after this penthouse article comes out? Or you're like, you know what? I, I, I'm seeing this and I, I'm no longer trusting. I'm going to take it over to, um, <laughs> I think it, it depends because fandom can be uh fanatical, right? That's right. And, and it might be publicity because, we're talking about this uh, penthouse article. We should also mention that they got press for this in the New York Times. That's the kind of advertising you just can't buy. So in this article, March 3rd, 1989, New York Times, that like highlights this Boggs case and talks about $12 million, which was even a bigger deal in 1989 than it is in 2020, uh, then we... I, I don't know. You know, I want to be positive about it, Matt. I want to say that at least some people came for the notoriety, but I, I think I'm being a little Pollyanna about it because there were probably a lot more people who were like, I morally don't want to be associated with this. You know, I, if, if it was a lower rate, though, like having recently had to get one of these mortgages, 
if it was a lower rate, you know, if she gave me a quarter point lower, I think I would have gone with Margo. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. But I don't know. Like, are you really looking for a celebrity mortgage broker? Or you really just want someone that's going to give you the best deal? Um, but it's it, the, the thing that's interesting about her, too, coming out in this way in Penthouse. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't she also do like a spread? Wasn't there an associated photo shoot with this tell-all? She did do a spread. And, and not only did she do a spread, apparently she shopped this to Penthouse and Playboy and kind of created this um, fight over or, or tell, the tell-all rights to this thing. And the reason she goes with Penthouse, which um, was less popular at the time, was because Penthouse's um, owner convinced her that he wasn't just interested in the spread. He was really interested in telling her story. Larry Flint? It was um, Bob Guccione. Bob Guccione. Bob Guccione, that's right. That's incredible. What a brilliant hustle. You got to respect it. Start a bidding war if I'm going to do this. Like, one thing is readily apparent when we look at this story, and that is that Marco Adams is no knucklehead. She's very smart. There's, it's almost like taking the nuclear option, you know, when this guy goes from welshing on the oral agreement for hundreds of thousands of dollars and then gets hit with a multi-million dollar, $12 million lawsuit. And then uh, he tr Wade has to try to somehow get in front of this, right? Like he's in the New York Times, he's in Penthouse, but not in the way he wanted to be. Right. And he has to, now we're in the war of public opinion, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, speaking of being pop psychologists, when you read a lot of these articles, which again, are uh, the 80s sports scandal article, you just don't see it now like you did back then. I mean, you could tell how much fun these writers were having with all these puns and, and they were just having a blast writing about this story. And it also kind of seemed like Wade Boggs was enjoying it. I mean, I don't think he was enjoying seeing his whole personal life being detonated. But there was something about the fame that Boggs seemed to enjoy because he he he's going to go on 2020. And that was the big, you know, that was Oprah before Oprah, Barbara Walters, 2020. And because Boggs is, was in the front page of the news all the time, you know, she, Barbara wants him on the show. And Wade said, you know, oh, I, I wish it was under better circumstances. But to be honest, it's such an honor to be asked to be on 2020. And I could win a million MVPs and batting titles and I would never be asked to be on, you know, sit on Barbara Walters couch. So he seemed to relish part of this, even though I can only imagine um, a lot of this was, was really not fun for him. Barbara Walters was sort of the, the, the one that did these like tell all type interviews. She was known for that. And you'd cry on Barbara Walters. She'd ask you the hard hitting questions and, you know, she, she was no nonsense, but she also wouldn't mince words, you know what I mean? And, but she would uh, tend to get these emotional reactions out of people. Um, I do want to double back really quickly. I, I mistakenly said there's only one lawsuit. Uh, it was, I said it was 6 million. Uh, it was more likely closer to 12 million. So I just want to put that out there. So people aren't thinking they're like all these lawsuits flying around. Um, it's interesting too. Like I think when Wade Boggs was deposed in this lawsuit. It ended up being like something like 500 plus pages of deposition where he really, you know, had to do this. And that was almost his practice for the Barbara Walter interview because he was had done this tell all already in front of lawyers under oath. And he had said a lot of the things that he ended up repeating on Barbara Walters in the pages of that deposition. I love the idea, too, of that deposition being so granular and in-depth about very unrelated things. Like I picture him sitting down, being deposed and saying, look, you have to eat the chicken 
before the game. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think you can do it, uh, you know, during the seventh inning stretch or something, but that's bananas. It's got to be double anchovies and a sexy nurse's outfit. And an apron. One the apron. or the other will not do. It's got to be at the same time served up to me, yeah, in high heels and stilettos. Yeah, uh, Maybe part of it is him reciting every line of The Wizard of Oz with the voices, which is something we haven't mentioned yet, right? That's a tiny detail. We've buried the lead here, I think. <laughs> so another thing, this is the weirdest line of the whole uh, penthouse thing. She says that Wade Boggs, again, who is like basically a cop turned into a baseball player. I mean, the guy doesn't seem like he has any sense of humor, giant mustache. And yeah, again, he's basically a cop. And Margo says that one of the things Wade loved to do um, when they were like cuddling is he could recite all of The Wizard of Oz with all of the characters' voices, which is the exact opposite detail that you would associate with Wade Boggs. So, I mean, this is, again, one of the most beautiful tell-alls, and it's sad that that it's been lost in time. And and I feel sort of this personal gratification that we're going to bring this thing back to life because I was worried that sort of this was going to just be lost. And and I applaud everyone here for taking part of their afternoon to to bring it back. Oh, man, absolutely. And, and, you know, and and the the point being, it was a big deal to go on Barbara Walters. Obviously, he said he seemed to get a kick out of it, that it was almost like a career-defining moment. But he used this opportunity to kind of come clean about sort of a self-diagnosis as to what the root of all of his troubles with, uh, with, with Margot actually was right yeah yeah wade was wade did some research you know he was a guy who wanted to fix himself so so he was watching geraldo he said and they had an episode which was all about oversexed people and the psychologists on geraldo were like yes this is a disease and boggs was like you know the light bulb goes off and he goes oh wade boggs has a disease of course he you know even mm-hmm. when he talks to himself he refers to himself in the third person totally. and so he decided that he was um, a sex addict and that was you know Wade, that many people since then have, have played that card. Wade Boggs was one of the iconic early people to play the, oh, no, 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 I wasn't cheating. I'm a sex addict. Mm. So, so I'm a victim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm a victim. I've struggled through this. And then, of course, you know, we've seen that, uh, that reasoning used in other uh, celebrity scandal, right? Well, now, uh, shout out to David Duchovny. We're talking about him off air. And the devil's advocate, fellas. I mean, if you can be a drug addict, couldn't can't you be a sex addict? I mean, isn't it just an impulse that makes it difficult for you to control your urges? Uh, I mean, you don't have to ha- have a chemical dependency to be a drug addict, n- nor is sex technically physically addictive. It's more of a mental thing. Just just putting that out there. I, I think it I think it could be physically addictive when you look at I mean there's a story for a different day but when you look at the hormone releases uh, you know you can get addicted to almost anything and if you have a physiological response to it in your brain then your body can become accustomed to it but in this case he didn't see a doctor that's the important part he, he saw, saw Geraldo Dr Geraldo I mean you know right. he actually did see a doctor he did say he went on Dr Phil. <laughs> but he says it's it's startling because uh you're right matt he literally did say uh a disease was taking over wade boggs and it just did for four years uh 
And he has this other quote, like he doesn't just say this in Barbara Walters. I think he says this in court, right? Oh yeah. He's he in the deposition. He's like, you know, I'm a red blooded male and uh, this is basically what red blooded males do. So um, not sure that really anyone can point any fingers at me because I'm just doing what everyone else would do if they were in my situation. So that was his defense. Uh, well, I, so, I don't think anyone's necessarily ragging him for the sex as much as they are the deception and infidelity. <laughs> you know, I think that's not cool when you're literally taking your wife, who you have made a, a legal agreement with to be faithful to, not to mention the religious side of it. That's a whole other discussion. And then just kind of flouting that openly and leaving this person utterly in the dark. I can't imagine when all this came out. Can you imagine what she must have felt like? And she didn't ultimately leave him, if I'm not mistaken, right? She stood by her man. I mean, she she actually comes out at the end of this and is like, I stand by my Wade and Wade told me he's he's a changed man and then he's going to go out and win a batting title for me. So, you know, when you're married to Wade Boggs, it's tough to cut that cord. I mean, the guy could really hit. <laughs> you really could. <laughs> so there's such a there's such a strange story here. There's something larger than life about it, you know, and we're not being callous. This is textbook ridiculous history. And one thing that you pointed out a couple times, Matt, that really stands out to me is that this is very much a story of its time. Like these types of articles don't get written near as often, right? Uh, and with, with the way that these kind of scandals play out in the public sphere is also very different. I think we're in like this golden era of sports scandal and reporting. What, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, it, it is it is a time because reporters, you know, reporters were considered that was a very prestigious job to be a reporter for a newspaper, a sports reporter. And so I think they were like considered themselves like the Woodward and Bernstein of sports. And so they would do real reporting and try and track down leads and, and you know, talk to people and get sources. And so with this box thing, I think they thought this was kind of like their Watergate, you know, like reporters were, were making their <laughs> name on, on fresh details in the Margot Adams scandal. And it's true. Like when you look at the quotes from when this penthouse article comes out from spring training that year, the whole team is basically rocked. The Red Sox, it becomes a major problem for them. And the manager, Joe Morgan at the time, I mean, Joe Morgan, if you don't know baseball, is this like, it was basically if you put your grandfather in charge of the Red Sox. He was like this 78-year-old guy who like was very quaint. You'd think of him more as like a guy who whittled than a guy who like <laughs> hit fungos. And he was the manager. And then they'd go to Morgan and be like, hey, like Wade has this, you know, double anchovy French garter thing. Like any comment? And he'd be like, I don't know, guys, I'm just trying to like fill out a lineup card here. But the, the quotes are crazy because the players have to all then answer because a lot of the players are mentioned in this thing. And so like a guy like Bob Stanley, who Adams says she has photos of him with a stripper. And so they go to Stanley and say, hey, what, what, do you, what, what are your thoughts? And Bob Stanley says, it's a joke. It's Laurel and Hardy stuff. <laughs> I mean, like what year are we in? That like the, the, their reference is Laurel and Hardy. Like, can you imagine if they go to like, player now and he's like oh yeah this is laurel and hardy stuff like i don't think you're getting that and then they go to joe morgan and they're like you know oh it must be hard having to do all this damage control and he quotes walt whitman as a response to that or he sort of butchers a quote about walt whitman mm -hmm. and 
it's like, I, it's just like, feels like a very different world where this was all going on a world very far away from where sports has gone today. And it's interesting because as, as massive of a story as this was at the time, um, it's something that I think has kind of really flown under the radar and sort of like lost its luster and really become kind of relegated to this different time. But there is one aspect of Wade Boggs that has stood the test of time and infiltrated and found its way into current pop culture um, in, in, in a couple of ways. And it is his absolutely legendary ability to throw back tall boys. Yes, that's right. Oh, the beer story. Uh, This may be familiar to a lot of people who don't even consider themselves fans of sports. In fact, you can see an entire episode dedicated to this story in one of my favorite comedies. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, but you guys, there's so much to this story. It feels like we might be on the verge of a two-parter. What do you think? You know, Ben, I think you might be onto something. Um, so why don't we take a quick pause here uh, and come back. Uh, would you mind joining us uh, to, to, to dive into another absolutely bonkers Wade Boggs story, Matt? I mean, I think we should, two parts, three parts, how far can we push this thing? Whatever it takes. <laughs> Whatever it takes, that's what I say. So in the meantime, if you want to do your homework and be in on the joke a little bit, I highly recommend you watch the uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode. I believe it was the first episode of season 11, if I'm not mistaken. Did you realize that show's been running that long? It's the it's the longest-running comedy show of its type, or it's about to be pretty soon. Uh, there's also another episode that references this Wade Boggs story, uh, but it uses a, a different cast of characters. Oh, fantastic. We could talk about it all day, which we will do on our next episode. Uh, in the meantime, thanks, as always, to our super producer, Casey Pegram. Thanks to Matt Waxman and Trickeration. Thanks to Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. The Quister. Thanks to Alex Williams, who composed our theme. Christopher Asiotis here in Spirit. Eve's Jeff Coates. The whole gang is here. Matt, real quickly, tell us, where can folks find you on the internet and uh, and Trickeration? All right, yeah, hit me up. At Matthew Waxman is my uh, Twitter and Instagram. And then the show Instagram and Twitter is at Trickeration. Awesome. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Roger that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.